Our text is found in the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter. <clears throat> beginning in the 19th verse. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let us pray. We thank Thee, our Heavenly Father, for the promise of eternal life. We thank Thee for granting us another opportunity to come into this Thine house. Thou grant us the right to come before Thy throne, Thy throne of grace. We ask that You to open our eyes and our ears once again. Guide us in the way of truth. Give me, give me the words to speak and the ability to speak. Keep us mindful of our Lord's return. Keep us looking for it. Praying we'd be found worthy to escape the coming tribulation and stand before the Son of Man. Keep your protective hands upon our pastor and his family and those at the meeting where he's preaching this weekend. We pray for our country that you'd have mercy upon it. Grant us leaders that would fear and honor thee. Guide us now in our endeavors to serve thee. Help us to worship thee in spirit and in truth. For it's in Christ's name, to the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask these sayings for his sake. And amen. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's very, tells us what we need to know. Those that love sin, that's their treasure. Where, that's where their heart is. We talk about sports figures. That's their world. That's where their heart is. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 46. Verse 45, again, when the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Of course, that's talking about Christ. Laid down his glory that he might redeem sinful man. One pearl of a great price. <laughs> Where is our treasure? We need to ask ourselves. Is it right or is it good or is it sinful? We read in the book of Proverbs, the 30th chapter, the 5th verse. Proverbs 30, verse 5 through 8. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to them that put their trust in him. <clears throat> Do we treasure the words of God? Is that our treasure? Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Two things have I required of thee. Deny them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches, 
Feed me with food that is convenient for me. If we was granted one thing in life, what would it be? That our treasure. If I only had this and so money, wealth, what would we really ask for if we was given the opportunity to ask for what we really wanted most? Because that was that's where our treasure would be. We read about Moses, what he esteemed as great treasure there in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure of Egypt. For he had respect and the recompense of the reward. He had all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Didn't put a bit of it in the first five books of the Bible. Nor the Psalms where he tells us the days of our lives. Since speaking about the Psalms there in the 17th chapter of the book of Psalms, what David said, what David really esteemed as true riches. Psalm 17 and 15. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. That's what he esteemed as true riches. Solomon asked for wisdom to lead the people. First Kings chapter 3, verse 9. God offered him a request. And because he chose wisdom to redeem the people, he gave him wealth and everything else he wanted. Moses wanted to see the Lord's glory. Exodus 33 and 18. I mean, this God had led Moses. Moses now wanted to see him. Do we ask for the treasure of wealth? Do we ask for, I mean, you often hear about that King Midas. Everything he touched turned to gold. Well, it's come to pass everything he touched he couldn't even eat anymore we seek the true riches or at least well we should in truth we probably seek monetary wealth First Peter chapter 3 verse 4 <clears throat> First Peter 3 and 4 let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. That's true riches. That's things of this that we should seek. But actually, man, he likes to be his own kind of man. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 22. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb that dog had turned aside to his own vomit again in the sow that is washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's what man will most likely turn to for true riches. In the book of Proverbs, we read about the landmark. Wasn't to be tampered with. 
this is basically pointing to a, a respect of our elders. What they put down as a landmark, do we leave it there? Do we respect their decision, or do we seek to move the landmark? In uh, Proverbs 22, <clears throat> Proverbs 22, verse 28. <clears throat> Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Now we read about in the days of Abraham. They filled up the wells that Abraham had dug, which the typical teaching there is they tried to cover up what the God that Abraham served. Of course, that wasn't possible. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16, it probably is a commentary to that, talking about speaking about highways and landmarks. Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see. Ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and walk therein. And you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. They wanted the new ways. Boy, if we look at what's going on around us in our present society, it's definitely rejected the old landmarks and walk now in the new ways, not the old ways. And needless to say, there's not as much rest for the souls either. That would go without saying. The present landmarks could be associated with our highways, which are the old paths. The old paths go back to Eden. Well, guess what? The old paths that the center prefers don't go all the way back to Eden. It goes back to Babylon. Lust and godly desire are two totally different things. In the Exodus children of Israel lusted for flesh to eat. God granted it to them, and it brought about their death in many cases. The church at Laodicea lusted for wealth, and Christ said, I counsel thee by me gold tried with fire. We read in Matthew 20 about Zebedee's wife. What do most people want for the children? <clears throat> they want good for them, needless to say. But do they want the monetary good? In Matthew 20, Zebedee's wife wanted her sons to sit one on the right, right hand side of Christ in his kingdom, one on the left. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee, verse 20 of Matthew 20. Zebedee's children with her son worship him and desiring a, a certain thing of him. Then he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what you ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? He presents her what that's going to require, death. The baptism was a hard life. 
They said unto him, We are able. And he said unto him, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Once again, we see the sovereignty of God. He's already taken care of it. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentile exercise dominion over them, and that they, they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be him shall be your minister. It's a life of service. Not to be served, but to serve others. We think of others when we ask the question, what would you have? In the book of Second Kings, we read of Elijah and Elisha. Second Kings chapter 2. Now, when Elijah was taken up, Second Kings 2, in the whirlwind, Elisha was asked something very similar. Verse 9 of Second Kings 2, And it came to pass when they were gone over, that is, gone over Jordan, where Elijah smote the waters and they parted. Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. Now this, as well as the mother of Zebedee's sons, they were asked, What do you want? You want to grant your request? Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, that's Elijah, said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall not be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. It shall be so if you see me. It will you'll not get it if you don't see me. And it came to pass as they went still, or went, still went on, and talked that, Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind and into heaven. And Elisha saw it. He was granted the double portion. His ministry knew no failures. He raised dead, healed waters, healed the sick. But he was also a harbinger of judgment, so so to speak. Verse 30 or 23 of chapter 2, And he went up from thence to Bethel, and as he was going up the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up thy bald head. That was denoting perhaps he was a prophet. Go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. Most people ain't going to like that when they read such things. 
The things of God are vastly different than the things that man esteems. What does God esteem as good, treasure? What does man esteem as treasure? There's people that have gifts of being a great salesman. In fact, they're probably, they stretch the truth a little bit, I guess you would say. They think that's a gift. Some would try to purchase their way into heaven, like we read in the, man, in the book of Acts, where one man, a sorcerer, saw that the, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered money that he'd get it. He wanted to have that gift too. Acts 8, verse 18. And when Simon saw that the laying, through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. Once again, another gift. And Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought the gift of God may be purchased with money. Now one would say, I don't do any such thing as that. Well, do we sometimes think, I've I done wrong there. I'll try to offset it by doing right. That's, you, you can't undo wrong. If you violate one commandment, you're guilty of them all. When it comes down to it, what do we really esteem? It's either the things of God or it's, unrighteous man which is what Christ called it there in the gospel of Matthew do we esteem gifts of spiritual nature or do we esteem the gifts of monetary filthy lucre some would call it in the book of Ephesians the fourth chapter When Christ ascended, verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4, up on high, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. I don't read anything about gold or silver or diamonds. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God into a perfect man into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're to be conformed to the image of Christ and that's what these gifts are all about. The pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, Paul talked about the, the same gifts. Told, told, taught us to covet the, the best gifts teaching helps I can't find the passage right now but it's in the book of Corinthians I was thinking it's the 6th chapter of the 1st Corinthians but nevertheless we need to ask ourselves what do we covet is it the things of man the things of God. 
It always comes seemingly down to that. What gifts we possess, do we use them for his glory? When it comes to this life, as we have already made mention of the church at Laodicea, it had need of nothing, so it thought. But as we know, Christ said, you're miserable, naked, and blind, you're poor. As we grow older, the monetary and the physical things, the tangible items, we could call it, mean less and less to us because we see that they're, they're fleeting, they wear out. We can't take them with us. As we grow older, the things on the other side tend to mean more, is what I'm saying. Christ, his desire, he owned it all by right of creation, but he came, his meat was to do the will of him that sent him. We read in the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter. <clears throat> Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do thy will, O God. There, Jacob's well. It's the Gospel of John chapter 4. When these disciples who had been away to get by food while he was left there at Jacob's well and conversed with a Samaritan woman, verse 31 of John 4, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He's not talking about tangible goods or food. He's talking about spiritual matters. Which things mean more to us as we get older. The worldling seeks treasures in this life only. Well, what do we know what the scripture says about that in the first book of First Corinthians. If in this life only If, uh, it's in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians verse 19 if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men most miserable that means our treasures don't lie in this life God seeks the treasures of true repentance. That's the true valuable goods, so to speak. In the Gospel of Luke, the 15th chapter and the 7th verse, I say unto you that likewise the joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Just one. Joy in heaven. We don't read about much about singing going on in heaven. We read about some, namely the book of Revelation, but presently we don't read of 
any that I know of. But when there's a sinner that repents, there's joy in heaven. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. That's what God seeks. True repentance. In Jeremiah chapter 9, Jeremiah 9 and 23. <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. <clears throat> now there's a lot of people proud of what they know. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. We know the those that are physically strong and physically gifted, they, they, they'll let you know all about it. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. And all those things don't mean a whole lot in time. I mean, they, they might for a brief space of time, but not for long. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. That's the true riches, the true wealth. We look at those things. Are, are we kind to others? Now, anybody that knows me is going to say, that applies to you too when you're going to start. Judgment and righteousness... These things I delight, saith the Lord. Our treasure drives us, or at least it should. If you have the true treasures, you're going to do these things. We're to be conformed in Christ's image. I mean, we should be long-suffering, kind, righteous. Proverbs chapter 14 Proverbs 14 and 6. <clears throat> the scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. Now there's people out there that would, wicked would love to have knowledge, but what would they do good with it? The scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not, but no but knowledge is easy to him that is of understand or that understandeth. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. You ask somebody a question, they give you a ridiculous answer that can't be true, and you know they don't know what they're talking about, don't deal with them. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Understand why, what you're doing, why you're doing it. But the folly of fools is deceit. They want to just basically destroy everything. That's the way it appears. It's a well-known fact that not everyone has wisdom and knowledge. 
Proverbs 24. I mean, Proverbs is about dealing with people. Proverbs 24, verse 1. Be thou not envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them, for their hearts studieth destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. What's their treasure? Whatever they can get for now. Through wisdom is in house, house builded, and by understanding is, is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with precious and pleasant things. Now, the wicked want those things, but do they want to have what it takes to get them. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel thou shalt make war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Not everybody has those things. Proverbs 26 and 1 says, snow in, the, snow in the summer and as rain in the harvest. You don't want rain in the harvest. It ruins it. It ruins your harvest. You don't. You wouldn't have snow in the summer. It'd kill things. So honor is not seemingly for a fool. <clears throat> it ain't happening. It is what it is. If you have some wisdom, do not boast. And Paul wrote in the Corinthians, "We know nothing as we ought to." Job, I think it's the book of Job, tells us that great men are not always wise. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, I know I'm bouncing around, rabbit hunting, so to speak. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Now, touching as touching things offered by idols, we know that we have, we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Now we're getting somewhere. Charity is love. Love thine enemy. Love God. Love man. Love thy fellow man. We hate sin, or we should. If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. And Paul went on to write in that 13th chapter, the love chapter, if I have not love, I have nothing. I am nothing. If I have not charity, I am nothing. In Jeremiah chapter thirteen twenty-three, this is kind of fitting of, today's man they want to change things so they think they do we've already determined to ask for the old ways they were better jeremiah chapter 13 verse 23 can the ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots now is there any need to change the ethiopian's skin or the leopard's spots no, they're what God made them. Let them be what God made them to be. Then may you also do good that are accustomed to do evil. The evolutionists cry, give me, give a monkey time and he will type Shakespeare's Hamlet. That's what I was told in high school. Well, it hadn't happened yet. It ain't going to, ain't any closer. It ain't going, it's not going to happen. 
People like to think that they can thwart God's unchanging, immutability as it's called. It still remains. He's still immutable. He's still unchangeable. He still demands repentance. I think it's Second Peter chapter two verse twenty two. I think I already looked at that passage. Second Peter two twenty two. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, the dog has returned to his own vomit again, the sow that has washed her wallowing in the mire. Nothing is made mention of a sheep. God's people are sheep. Well, Solomon wrote there in the book of Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter, about a tree falling. Wherever it falls, there it is. They want to move the tree. Ecclesiastes 11. Verse 3, If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And the tree, if the tree falleth toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. It's not going to change. This is an old saying, it is what it is. That's what we're talking about. Solomon was left in his writings in a bitter condition. He was basically trying to live a life without God. That's what we need to always keep in mind. Is the Lord our true treasure? He seemed to be quite depressed. He's showing man's futility. As I said in final, final analysis, Solomon wrote from the standpoint of the results of a life of sin void of God. In closing, I'm going to go back over a verse that we already looked at in the book of Psalms, the 17th chapter. David is ascribed to having wrote most of the Psalms. Now, in the 90th Psalm, Moses wrote that. He's talking about the generations of man. Verse 7, For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our inequities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that it's told. The days of our years are threescore and ten. And by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to the fear of souls thy wrath? So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Do we apply our hearts to wisdom? True wisdom is to love repentance, hate sin, be conformed into the image of Christ, which is basically what David is saying. 
As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. Where are our treasures? Our treasures in our bank account, we know what's going to happen to them. In our houses, in our lands, these things are but brief. But the true riches is Christ. And that's exactly what we read there in the book of Hebrews about Moses, esteeming the riches of Christ to be greater riches. I'll read it again. It's in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And there we'll close. <coughs> Hebrew. <clears throat> Rather than misquoted, I'll read it. Hebrews chapter 11. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Egypt is typical of the world. For he had respect to the recompense of the reward. There's a reward involved. Just as there's a reward involved for those that love the worldly things. It's torment. That's all I'd have. Let us stand and we'll sing. Mm -hmm.